Ode to Joy Flash Mob. What a great idea. The Christian celebration of Easter is about what happens after Jesus was arrested, tried, and killed through the brutal Roman practice of crucifixion. The story goes that after his death, Jesus' body was laid in a tomb and a massive stone was placed in front to cover the opening to that tomb. In the reading, Peggy shared the story that follows from the earliest known gospel in the Christian scriptures, the gospel according to Mark. The women who were coming to anoint the body worried about who would roll that giant stone away so they could enter the tomb. They find the stone already rolled away and are frightened to see a young man sitting inside the tomb. Do not be alarmed, he says which is one translation of the same phrase the angels use in what we know as the Christmas stories. Fear not. Do not be afraid. But rather than telling them what they will see, such as you will see a babe lying in a manger this time, this angelic figure in a white robe tells them what they will not see. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. In other words, I know what you expected to see, but look, that's where you thought you would find him. He is not here. That is the earliest Easter message. You thought he was here. But he's not. You thought you knew how this story went, but you don't. You thought this was the end, but something else is beginning. And this is pretty much where the gospel according to Mark closes. With the overturning of expectations. Later gospels embellish this simple story a bit. In the gospel, according to Luke, the women, upon seeing the stone is rolled away, first notice that Jesus is not there, and wondering what to do next, encounter two men in dazzling clothes, it says, and the women fall to their knees in fear. The men say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He was raised. In the gospel, according to Matthew, there is an actual earthquake as the women walk to the tomb. A messenger of the Lord sits on the stone that he has rolled away, giving off a dazzling light and wearing clothes, it says, as white as snow. He says to the women, do not be afraid. Remember, do not be alarmed. Fear not. Don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. You see, he was raised just as he said. Come here, look at the spot where he was lying. The simple white robe in Mark becomes dazzling clothes in Luke and a dazzling light with clothes white as snow in Matthew. A young man in Mark becomes two men in Luke, becomes a messenger of the Lord in Matthew, who has moved the stone single-handedly, apparently setting off an earthquake. 
The simple message in Mark becomes a little more philosophical in Luke. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And possibly just a little more urgent in Matthew. Go quickly and tell his disciples. But what remains is the heart of the message. You thought he was here, but he's not. You thought you knew how this story went, but you don't. You thought this was the end, but something else is beginning. First, notice the truth of this, then go and tell others. And it makes me wonder on this Easter morning if I am willing to hear that message, if I am willing to have some of my most dire expectations overturned, if I am willing to allow for the possibility of having my most dire expectations overturned. Now that might, it may sound silly. Why wouldn't I be willing? But there is a certain security that comes with being able to predict terrible things. With being able to voice the worst before it happens. With not being caught naively imagining a new world as the old one grinds on crushing hopes and dreams under its ruthless and relentless track. Aren't you glad you came here for Easter message? <laughs> History says don't hope on this side of the grave, writes poet Seamus Haney in his translation of the Sophocles play Philoctetes. History says don't hope on this side of the grave, and don't we see that playing out in the war in Ukraine, and in the shamefully underreported wars in Ethiopia, Yemen, Afghanistan, Syria, in the increasingly brazen attacks on the democratic process in every state of these United States, in the refusal to address the devastating impacts of climate change in favor of short-term profits. Think of that hope. Some of us shared early on in this pandemic when the world and all that was accepted under the heading of the way things are, when all of that was shaken up in such a way that it seemed that we all could more clearly see the inequities and injustices sewn into the fabric of society. Now, as the seams ripped and some threads had pulled loose, Remember when we felt like there was a real possibility of joining together and addressing these problems and changing things we had been told were unchangeable. Well, what happened? How can I possibly make myself hope for that anymore? Because I know how this story goes. I've seen it play out even in my relatively brief existence thus far. I know the overwhelming force of the powers that be crushing resistance, co-opting revolution, killing hope. So me, maybe I will just go visit the tomb where my hope lies, bring some oils and herbs to anoint 
The lifeless body of the dream deferred mourned the loss of the vision once living in my heart and mind. Maybe I will just go visit the tomb, that is, if I can even move the huge stone that was placed to block the opening by powers and structures of evil, as our second source calls them. But what if... In my journey to the tomb, I was to see the stone had been rolled away. What if I was to be met with a person or two or three in white robes or dazzling clothes or with a light shimmering around them? What if I was to be told, do not be alarmed, do not be afraid, fear not. Your hope has not died. It has risen. It is not here where you expected it to be, extinguished by the powers that be. It is out there, alive. Go and meet it. Go tell others. What if I was to be met with that message? You thought you knew how this story went, but you don't. You thought this was the end, but something else is beginning. Now, I would like to think that I would immediately embrace this good news. I would like to think that I would be overcome with joy. I would like to think that I would go and tell others. But I'm not sure. Rather, I look at the reaction of the women who received this message in Mark and think how mine might be similar. It says in that gospel, So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Their fear does not abate with the message they receive. Indeed, it might even intensify. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, I don't think this is what this text means, but this is what it makes me think of is how uncomfortable, frightening even, it can be to share hope. To share something hopeful. They said nothing, for they were afraid. Aside from the particulars of this story, I feel that fear sometimes. Hoping makes me vulnerable. Cynicism is much more of a socially acceptable posture in this culture. If you are cynical, or as some would have it, realistic, no one can really touch you. If you are cynical, you have the law of averages on your side, some might say. If you are hopeful, it can be easy for others, well-intentioned as they may be, to poke holes in your hope, to show how your vision simply cannot happen, to remind you that in the words of the poet, history says, don't hope on this side of the grave. Hoping makes me vulnerable, and I am reminded of a poem by Boris Novak that I have used often. It's about decisions. The poem is about decisions, and it ends with this. Between hope and despair, choose hope. It will be harder to bear. 
It will be harder to bear. I recognize an urge within me to run from the empty tomb, to run from hope and say nothing to anyone because hope sends me into uncharted territory, into unexplored terrain, and I can't get my footing. If you're telling me the story I thought I knew is not the story I'm actually in, I feel lost and, yes, just a bit frightened. What do I do in this new story? If he is not here, where is he? If this is not the end, what is it? I've not yet spoken of the gospel according to John. There is a piece in that gospel that speaks to my own tendencies. Mary, encountering the empty tomb, comes up with her own reasonable explanation for this unforeseen circumstance. She runs to two of the disciples and tells them they've taken the master from the tomb and we don't know where they put him. It is never quite explained who the they is in they've taken the master from the tomb, but it can be assumed that it is those forces that are in charge, those forces hostile to Jesus and his followers. She then returns to the tomb, sees two, yes, two heavenly messengers in white seated where Jesus' body had lain, one at the head and the other at the foot. They ask her why she's crying. And rather than showing curiosity about who these people are and what message they might have, she tells them her theory of what has happened. They've taken the master away and I don't know where they've put him. She then turns and sees Jesus, but she doesn't know it's Jesus and thinks it is the gardener. He asks her why she's crying and again she explains her theory of what has happened and adds, Please, mister, if you've moved him, tell me where you've put him so I can take him away. Only then, as the man responds, does she recognize that it is Jesus. Now, you can see how John has expanded even further on those earlier Gospels. And I am not talking or debating the historical veracity of any of these, but treating them as stories, as powerful stories, as metaphors, this one really brings home the difficulty of hope breaking through ingrained expectations. Seeing the empty tomb, Mary comes up with an explanation, and quite possibly a reasonable explanation, given her experience and her context as a Jewish person in a Roman empire. Once she has figured out the story that is most reasonable to her, though, she cannot give it up, even when encountering two heavenly messengers dressed in white, even when encountering Jesus himself, the focus of her search. So intent is she on her expectation of what has occurred and following that trail to its predetermined And it can be really difficult for me to open myself to having my expectations overturned, even and maybe especially my most dire expectations. Embracing hope can make me feel vulnerable, uncomfortable, and a little embarrassed. I am made aware of that as I read these stories. And I have come to see hope less as a probability 
and more as a responsibility. Less as a feeling I have and more as a choice I make. In the words of Holly Near, to be hopeless dishonors those who go before us. So lift us up to the light of change. And I don't mean to sugarcoat the harsh realities of this world. They exist. Crucifixion happened, happens, and atrocities carried out by the state continue to happen. Injustice and inequities continue to carry pain for countless individuals and communities. Monumental challenges lay before we who believe in freedom, who search out more love, more peace, more joy somewhere. Many times the hope I embrace doesn't even carry particular content, a precise vision, an imagined goal, but only the willingness to have my most dire expectations overturned, to listen for that voice that says, fear not. You thought you knew how this story went, but you don't. You thought this was the end, but something else is beginning. So may it be.